0: Hello everybody and welcome to an episode of Impactful Conversations. I hope that this finds you well wherever you're listening to this. My name is Tafatso and thank you for listening to this episode. So on the show, I interview and speak to individuals who are making a difference in their world. Individuals who have a different way of thinking and are forming as leaders in their respective fields. I'd love to hear some of your feedback on the episode, either by writing us a review or giving us a five-star rating in the podcast app that you're listening to right now or by heading over to our website which is impactfulconversations.co.za. We also have a YouTube channel where you can go there and search Impactful Conversations and you'll find us over there as well. We also have a newsletter that we do every month with some of the content from our episodes along with some interesting pieces that we have come across. Anyway, wherever you're listening to this, I hope you sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Impactful Conversations. Uh, we are back after a brief break and uh, very, very excited for the episode today and to bring it to you today. Um, before I introduce my guests, I just want to thank you all once again uh, for the part that you're playing in the community. We just finished off our um the, the Energy Expert Story series that we just did. We just finished that off, which went absolutely, you know, incredibly well and very grateful for the interactions that we had there. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to the next few episodes that we have lined up in store. And the first of which is with Denislav Marinov who is the founder of Nova Tech. Uh, absolutely thrilled uh, to have him here. He and I have quite a long history together. I think I last saw him more than five years ago. So I'm uh, quite thrilled to have him here on the platform, at least virtually, Um, you know, with, with the times that we currently live in. Dennis Love, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's an absolute privilege and an honor to be able to talk to you today. How are you doing this morning?
1: Hi Taffa, thank you so much for the, the invitation. It really is an honor to be on this platform. I hope I can add value to your listeners. Um, I'm doing great, it's a bit of a cloudy, morning here in Johannesburg but uh, no complaints on my side just making the most of of the weather but yeah everything's good and and thanks again for having me. No cool man absolutely uh, you know thrilled
0: and excited to be able to chat to you today and it is a cloudy morning it's a bit strange actually Uh, I'm not sure (laughs) like looking outside the window and I'm not really (laughs) sure what's happening I thought I thought spring was springing but apparently not just yet (laughs) yeah we'll wait for that wait for that but um Denislav, just to get started, um, help help me to let the listeners get to know you a little bit better. Um, you know, so give me a shout, you know, where were you born, uh, where did you grow up, and what are you passionate about?
1: Sure. So, a lot of people might hear from my name, Denislav. It's not a very typical uh, South African name. So, I'm actually born, um, I was born in South Africa to uh, immigrant parents from Bulgaria. So, my parents are Bulgarian, uh, but I was born here. In South Africa, in Johannesburg, where I've spent my whole life, uh, born and raised. I went to St. Stephen's College, Boys' College, for for high school. Um, and yeah, I've I've stayed in in Johannesburg. I I went to Cape Town to do my studies at UCT. So I spent a few years there. But you could say I'm a, a Joe Burger at heart. Um, yeah, and I was born the year my parents moved over to South Africa. I was born. So there must have been something in the water here because uh, they've been trying for a while and only once they came to South Africa did did I appear in the picture. So, yeah, <laughs> so we're
0: very glad we're very glad to have you. And uh, yeah, I'm smiling because I'm also Joe Bigger at heart as well. So, so yeah, <laughs> I yeah. could totally relate. I could totally relate. So darling, right into right. Um, I want to talk about your journey, you know, your entrepreneurship journey specifically. Um, so you actually founded what you call DVM Designs uh, back when you were in high school, uh, which is absolutely incredible, right? So first, tell me about how your entrepreneurship instinct developed in the first place.
1: Mm, mm. Yeah, well, I, I believe that entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurial mindset, it's not actually something that, that one learns. It's it's something you're born with because uh, at its core, entrepreneurship is just problem solving. Um, you see a problem in society and you want to come up with a solution to address this problem Um, and as a byproduct, it's good if you make some some money on on that solution right so that's entrepreneurship and everyone that's that's born is born with these innate problem-solving skills Um, and so I wouldn't say I was necessarily born an entrepreneur I think it's something that's natural to everyone perhaps just my background and the community I grew up in kind of Fostered this entrepreneurial spirit and, and allowed it to flourish. Um, and so, for me, I've always been very passionate and interested in technology and its um, potential to produce meaningful impact. Mm-hmm. And um, in high school, um, I was very fortunate to to stumble across 3D printing. I have always stayed at the the forefront of new tech developments, reading up on what was the hot topic. At that point, it was it was kind of 3D printing, and I started to explore it and. I was instantly mesmerized and blown away by the technology that would enable one to take an image from their mind and actually materialize it in a matter of of hours. So that for me was just phenomenal. You can take an image and produce it. And I just realized, wow, the opportunities for for this technology are are groundbreaking. We could really change up um, South Africa as we know it by uh, making these technologies more accessible. And um, I started to explore the technology and and found that there wasn't a huge community um, in South Africa for 3D printing or or, or any markets or industries for that matter. And so as an entrepreneur, I guess I decided, well, if there's no community, I might as well help build one. Uh, And that's when I started investing more time and energy into 3D printing. Um, Of course, there was a community of hobbyists um, that worked with 3D printing, but I was more interested in the industrial applications. And how we can use it for manufacturing, for um, startups, for rapid prototyping, uh, for a variety of of, uh, applications. And um, yeah, I just started taking off from there. I started with, I was fortunate enough to get my first 3D printer kit uh, in grade nine or 10. Um, It was as a birthday present. And um, being a kit, I had to assemble it myself. And um, wow, well, it was one of the most intimidating processes I've, I've ever been through, because um, a lot of the parts I've never seen in my life before, and here I'm expected to produce this functioning machine. But going through that process, um, I built such a deep understanding of what goes into producing uh, an operational machine, such as a 3D printer. What does this part do? Why do we use this part? Why did this part blow up when I plugged it into 24 volts, whatever? you mm-hmm. know. So I, I developed a really good understanding of how three d printing works, and very quickly reverse engineered um, the the printer itself and identified a lot of great things about the technology, but also a lot of areas that were lacking in terms of quality, precision, speed, and strength. And um, being a scientist and engineer, I guess at heart, um, I wanted to find ways to make it better. Yeah. And that's where kind of my journey in entrepreneurship started, where I wanted to develop these technologies further, given that I knew, the potential they had to to change industry, um, how could I develop them, make them more accessible, make them more quality production units mm. um, so that we can distribute them throughout the country. And um, yeah, it just took off from there. Um, and to date, I'm, it's been probably over eight years now that I've been working in the 3D printing space. Mm. Uh, in high school, it was more of a freelancing kind of initiative where I just did designs for friends and family and mm. did some small 3D prints here and there. Um, but towards the end of my uh, metric I, I started to get my first industrial clients, which mm-hmm. then opened the doors to this whole new market of, of 3D printing applications. Yeah.
0: So I love I love your definition of entrepreneurship, right? That at the heart of it, it's it's about problem solving absolutely love that definition. I think, you know, it's, it's such a different way to, to look at it. Um, and I love the fact that you've referenced societal problems as well um, within that. And obviously, you know, there has to be a profit making, you know, to, to in order for it to actually be sustainable and for it to continue um, into the long-term. But, you know, and we will get to the, to the 3D printing specifics a little bit later on in the chat, um, but talk to me about your time at school. Um how did your education shape that entrepreneurial instinct, as it were, that you had at the time?
1: Yeah, I must admit, I one thing I, I really loved about Saints was the, the extracurricular activities and support that happened there. So it was actually what was then called the boardroom, uh, which was like a society for students interested in business and startups and, and running a business. Mm. So it was this ecosystem that was trying to foster students with that kind of mentality of, of creating sustainable businesses. Yeah. And it was uh, run by Eric Halfleisch, who's an incredible teacher as well. Um, I, I, I'm really grateful for the impact he had on my entrepreneurial journey. So he was heading up that club uh, and through that club, I got exposed to a variety of um, industry professionals. One of which was actually the reason I, I started, um, prior to 3D printing, I was in the kind of design space. I always wanted to be an architect, actually, funny enough. Um, and so one of the, the guest speakers we had was um, uh, was an architect, and um, he spoke about his architectural firm and business and the softwares they used, and he, he mentioned one open source free software called Blender. And immediately after that conversation, I looked into Blender and I was like, oh, wow, this is such a fantastic software. And and through there, I started actually designing, doing interior designs, architectural designs, which then led into designing products for 3D printing. Uh, And so that actually I can trace it back to the actual event where this whole kind of design into 3D printing journey started. Mm. And that was through one of these uh, societies at Saints. Apart from that, um, you know you're exposed to such a diverse crowd of people at school as well, which was quite fantastic. Um, So I learned a lot from my peers and the teachers were phenomenal. Um, But at the same time, um, I think the schooling system in general does tend to lack in certain areas where um, perhaps, as I mentioned, we're born with this entrepreneurial spirit. And the question is not so much how do we um, learn to become entrepreneurs, but it's how, how are we... Um, unlearn to become entrepreneurs and to a certain extent schooling does that where it removes uh, a lot of these skills that we have um, as innate entrepreneurs it kind of hinders some of that talent Um, not any school in particular I think just the schooling system in general and that's one thing we're focusing on as well with 3D printing and um, changing up the education space which I can probably touch on later but it's how do we change this educational system such that it's more conducive to this problem-solving based approach as opposed to just um, reading and regurgitating information. Uh, But still, Saints was a a fantastic school. Um, I'm very honored and privileged that I got the opportunity to go there. Mm. And it's uh, definitely set me up for success.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, you know, having gone to to the school, I can definitely echo that um, 100% without a doubt. But I think you've raised some interesting points, you know, around how we can rethink, You know the education system, um, you know particularly pertaining to what you've spoken about already. So I'm quite keen to dive into that. But before we talk about the education system, let's talk about your education first. Um, Why, why a BSc in physics and chemistry? So you know what sort of went into that decision. I suppose probably what at the from mid grade eleven to beginning of matric, as it were. Um, You know what was the sort of thinking behind that? If you're like me. Um, you know, it was a simple, well, I enjoyed these subjects. And so you know, <laughs> this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, or rather, this is why I'm thinking of doing what I'm doing. And then, you know, the decision to actually do it, there's a little bit more, you know, that comes into that. But, yeah, quite curious to know why, you know, a, a Bachelor of Science in Physics and Chemistry.
1: Yeah, well... From a young age, I've, I've always wanted to be a theoretical physicist, actually. Um, I so I used to read a lot of science books. I actually have like a few science encyclopedias here in the office. Um, so I've always been very passionate about understanding the underlying mechanisms of the universe mm-hmm. and uh, breaking everything down to the first principles. So, yeah, just, just deconstructing everything, understanding how it works. Um, And there was this amazing physicist as well, Michio Kaku. Um, I used to watch a lot of his shows on, I think it was on Discovery at that time, about physics, about the future of physics and technology. And I was just so blown away by that. So I've always been very passionate and interested in physics. Um, At the same time, I always had a very creative side to me as well. And I was quite interested in architecture. And as I mentioned, that was actually what I initially wanted to study, was architecture. Um, And then I transitioned a bit to mechatronics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, I, I transitioned back to physics, and the reason being, I guess, yeah. similarly to entrepreneurship, how entrepreneurship at its core is problem solving um, within the context of society and economy. Physics is, is also at its core problem solving, but with respect to the very fundamental laws of nature. Um, so I guess in essence, I, I just really enjoy problem solving and physics seemed like the natural choice for that, uh, because with physics, Um, we just question and probe and try to deconstruct all these ideas that we have and trying to prove them or rather disprove them. And that's what I love so much about science is that in science, there's a misconception that we try to prove things. In reality, we actually try very diligently to disprove things. And that's the whole point of the scientific method where we have hypotheses and questions and we actually try to disprove them. And only if through considerable efforts, we fail to disprove them. Do we actually take things as as fact? And I found that quite a refreshing approach. Um, Whereas nowadays, a lot of people try to prove concepts, with science, you try to disprove it. And so for physics, it was such a foundational subject for me. um, I felt that if I could learn and master physics, you could pretty much jump into any other industry thereafter, because you've developed those critical thinking skills. And so after physics, the next natural derivation is kind of chemistry. Um, and so I've always been fascinated by materials as well and so physics and chemistry merge quite well together they complemented each other Um, and then the next natural step after chemistry would be something like I don't know biology Um, then you can go into computer sciences and so forth I kind of stopped at physics and chemistry um, with a great deal of math as well which was involved in physics Mm -hmm. and um, yeah I really enjoyed that and following that undergrad I did my honors in material science which essentially was the merger of physics and chemistry. Because, yeah, -hmm. yeah, within material science, you investigate materials, new ways of manufacturing, um, and and developing these new complex materials from the uh, intermolecular level all the way to your macroscopic kind of engineering applications, which for me was just incredibly exciting. And it was just a merger of physics and chemistry. Uh, And that was, yeah, that was my career. I went to physics not necessarily... um, for the career benefits, but rather for the personal growth and critical thinking skills that I developed, knowing very well that once I leave physics, I could pretty much explore any other field of interest um, throughout my life.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a, I really love the thought process that you went through, and um, you know, in, into making that decision, and equally so, I think and i i i do find the scientific method quite fascinating <laughs> um, i think it clicked for me once i think it was in a in a first year class in physics when i realized that actually we weren't trying to prove concepts we were actually trying to disprove their existence mm. <laughs> and it was just, such an interesting way of you know flipping the way we think about it you know um we're actually you know we we typically try and say is this true try to prove it's true rather than say actually try and disprove it and see you know if you can't disprove it using using you know the relative methods that that can be available for you to do that you know scientifically so talk to me then about the inception of amnovatech so from dvm designs to amnovatech what's the the transition there if any um, and what's the thinking behind that
1: Yeah, so um, DVM Designs, as I said, kind of started out as a more freelancing initiative. So DVM are are my initials. Um, And so I I used that throughout high school and through my, I think, first and second year of university, Um, it was under the name DVM Designs. But then as the business started growing and I started getting more industrial clients, more serious kind of jobs, um, there was a need to uh, formalize and structure the business in, in greater depth. And so hence the transition to AMNOVA Tech. So AMNOVA, uh, A-M, stands for additive manufacturing, and then NOVA means new. So it's a new way of, of additive manufacturing. And so additive manufacturing is the industrial term for, for 3D printing. Uh, and so the, hence AMNOVA was born because there was this need for um, a more regulated business, one that had structure, one that had, um, you know, to, to get onto all the vendor lists, etc. We needed to meet certain criteria. And I decided also what I'm trying to build is um, bigger than just me. And I didn't want the company to be just associated with, with me as an individual. Hence, the, the move away from DVM as a personal brand to Amnovatech, which is this, this company that will exist far um, after I'm gone as well. The whole intention was to create this system that even once I leave, uh, we have an impactful business that's, that's still producing change. Hence, the shift to Amnovatech
0: yeah absolutely i can't wait to, to talk a little bit more about you know what it is that you're doing there i think it's it's uh you know i love i love the am nova that's cool
1: <laughs> i never actually noticed that that's really yeah it, it was <laughs> so actually it was my i think my dad um he came up with the name we were i was thinking of different names i initially wanted to call it um adelaide Yes. Um, Ada because um one of my icons is uh, she's called Ada Lovelace and she's de facto kind of the the first programmer ever in the the 19th century she um she was actually working on the first kind of um, mechanical systems which you could essentially call computational devices mm-hmm. and and so you could actually say she was the first programmer back then uh, a phenomenal mathematician mm-hmm. uh, but but history uh, has kind of hasn't um emphasized the role she played in in c- computation today and so she's been a, a huge inspiration to me and I wanted to to call the company uh to, to have some homage to her so hence the name Adelaise but after a bit of research um a lot of that so some of those names were taken and, and also okay. at the, the fear of sounding like a lingerie brand yeah. we decided to to move away more to something like Amnova <laughs> uh, which had the the AM and the Nova um which is yeah essentially what we're trying to do develop new ways of, of manufacturing uh, yeah. so it just fitted really well with with the company
0: yeah lovely absolutely I mean really 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 lovely name I think and uh, wonderful thought process behind it and uh, yeah can't can't wait to dig into that you know into more about what you're actually doing there and, and the thinking and the process and the purpose behind it but um we, we, we started off you know obviously as we normally do on this podcast quite fast you know we dive right into your life story. but let's let's maybe turn it down a little bit. Um, you are a gifted musician um, I remember I, all I remember is you you playing piano um, I think in chapel services or ceremonies and so on. Um, you know, what is your favorite piece to play? Uh, piano piece to play in particular Um and how long have you been playing piano actually
1: yeah well I think gifted musician is a, a bit of an exaggeration but <laughs> I, I certainly do um, enjoy my music um, I've been playing piano what is it for about 17 years now um, I started quite young um, I must confess the last few years uh, my my uh, I have reduced in uh, ability given once I entered university, there was a, a bunch of new responsibilities and, and access to a piano was far more limited. So I, I still play, but um, not not to the same um, <laughs> level that I used to, but yeah, um, yeah I, it, music has been such a central part of, of my life um, and my entrepreneurial journey as well. Um, the reason being is having to perform in front of a group of people is an incredibly intense and nerve wracking experience. Um, having to to play piano, mm. and so I think having to do that at a young age, it, it developed a great deal of confidence um, and character when having to perform, and I think that's kind of translated into who I am today as a person. The the level of confidence I have um, to to approach uh, to approach potential partners, to approach uh, investors, to be able to ask for exactly what we need. That's a very important skill, and I think something like piano helped inculcate that confidence within me. And so I'm forever grateful for that ability, um, to perform, uh, because naturally I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert. So I really value my alone time. I value to, to be with myself, to, to think, to reflect. Um, but then having to perform and play piano kind of developed the more, you could say extroverted side of me. So if you ask my friends, you could say I'm, I'm quite outspoken at loud in times. Um, but, but, (laughs) very much balancing out this more introverted side of me. So very much piano, huge part of my life. I would say um, I was classically trained, so classical piano. Um, but my heart is very much with the jazz side of things. Um, so your okay. your kind of your classics, your Miles Davis, and your local legends like Hugh Masekela, uh, yes. your fellow Cooties, all those kind of icons. I, I no, absolutely love yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my in terms of my favorite pieces to play, my funnest piece to play is um, anything by George Gershwin. He has some fantastic short, fun pieces to play. Um, my favorite is Prelude Number no. One. Um, so yeah, I would say that's my my favorite, uh, the most fulfilling piece to play. And here's a mouthful: it's um, Rachmaninoff, um, his uh, Etude Tableau in G minor, Op. 33, Number no. Eight. Check out that piece; it is a phenomenal piece of classical music. I absolutely mm-hmm. love playing that.
0: <laughs> we'll, put a, we'll put a link to to both of those pieces in the in the show notes for so people we'll to go and check that out. And uh, you know, thanks very much for for you know sharing that with us. And I think um, I'll challenge what you said. I think you are a gifted musician. You don't lose the gift. You know, you, you might <laughs> exercise it, you know, as much, but you don't lose it. So I'm quite curious. You know, um, everybody everybody's lives have been turned upside down um, since the 20 something of march 2020 um, especially in south africa anyway um what is what is a typical day in your life currently you know if you walk me through it from beginning to end you know like just talk me through you know what is a typical day in your life
1: yeah well i i must admit yes currently we have quite a few um big jobs that are going on so my, my daily plan has mm-hmm. kind of been turned on its head the last two months or so. But essentially I'd wake up early in the morning, or not, not early, but 7.30, eight, that's my usual kind of wake up time. I have my nice black coffee, no sugar, mm-hmm. no milk, just to remind me, um, I, I, I really enjoy the, the bitterness of a good coffee. Um, have my coffee, I go through my my task list for the day. I, I reevaluate it to see which tasks need to be moved up in terms of priority. Um, and then I take a few minutes of, of just a break for, for mindfulness, um, just to reevaluate, to center myself, uh, and to plan for the day ahead. And then I would just start working and I would work throughout the day, um, have a bunch of meetings, work on the technical side of things that we do at Amnova, um, work on some of the business development stuff. Um, I do fit every day though. I'm quite diligent in, um, having an hour for exercise. So that involves doing a run doing some strengthening, um, doing a lot of stretching. Um, I'm quite, uh, I I, I used to do Taekwondo in university um, and so I'm trying to pick that up again. So trying to build up the the strength and flexibility for that. And then uh, continue working after that, um, have dinner, and then I have a, I I set aside time for meditation in the evenings as well, again, just to recenter myself. Because with, with all that's going on, all the chaos and madness and the workload, It's very important to have these checkpoints where you just recenter yourself um, and you just reevaluate what you're doing and whether you're you're on the right track. So I I make sure to do that every day. It's been a a huge help for me um, just to to stay sane. Really, uh, is to have that time for for meditation and reflection. Uh, And then I would continue working until I kind of go to sleep in the evening, and and then the process would start again.
0: Yeah, I I really love the the point around you know setting aside some time you know as a I think you use the word checkpoint um that's actually really really important i think you know anybody listening to this you know would agree with that uh, particularly i think we we all sort of underestimate the impact of the last you know uh, almost coming on on to 18 20 months or so um you know on on our well-being and our lives and so on that the shift in the day to day, I think is something that we we all need to you know adapt and, and and live into. So I think really appreciate you know you sharing that with us and sharing some of your techniques and you know the the sort of things that you go through. Um, it's it's quite important you know to really take stock, particularly at the end of the day. A lot of you know, a lot of times we we take stock at the beginning, but then mm. as the day sort of wanes on, we sort of end up
1: running on on fumes as it were. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really really important to do that. I think the the end goal is to actually just exist in a continuous state of of mindfulness um, within anything you do. Mm. So we shouldn't really have checkpoints. We should just exist in a state of mindfulness. Mm. Unfortunately, the the environment we live in is is quite There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of work and it's quite difficult to maintain that level of mindfulness. So Mm. I'm certainly... Practicing and training trying to get to that point. Um, But until then it's important just to have checkpoints throughout the day Just to step back reflect um, Mm. until eventually you achieve a a state of of continuous mindfulness That for me is is incredibly important is this um, concept of continuous mindfulness Um, My biggest fear is is kind of reverting to this autonomous headspace uh, Which which where you just kind of work mindlessly Mm. That's perhaps one of my biggest fears and so I make a very conscious effort to to be mindful, to meditate, uh, to reflect, and to just ensure that I'm, I'm um, yeah, being mindful as, as much as possible.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's super, super important and quite profound. And so, thanks for for sharing that. Um, a bit of a strange question, this one, but uh, here we go anyway. Um, <laughs> if if you could live anywhere in the world, um, not in South Africa. Uh, ah, well. <laughs> because i knew you were going to say south africa so <laughs> <laughs> maybe say not in south africa um where would you choose to live
1: yeah well my answer would have been south africa i think it's <laughs> such a fantastic place but um yeah. if not south africa i i quite um i like i'm quite interested i'd like to explore finland i think that's a very weird and wonderful country yeah. um quite yeah quite strange so I'd, I'd love to go there i also love some of the political systems that they have in Finland are quite exciting um, that I definitely would love to explore so that's that's somewhere I'd like to stay for a little bit not too long because I I know the weather there is quite depressing (laughs) but but, but, you know I, I do quite enjoy my my gray weather I do enjoy rainy days so perhaps it is the perfect place for me but I think in excess it could be a bit much but yeah Finland I definitely would love to explore that
0: really interesting answer. You know, if you love grey weather, I'm sure you enjoyed the, the Cape Town winters, you know, with, with the long, oh, long yeah.
1: days. I love it. I love sure it. The of, yeah, your cup of coffee a nice blanket. It was a great time. It was an absolutely great time. But uh,
0: we enjoy burgers. We don't get that. So. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> very rare here. <laughs> we get it on day like a day. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's a bit cloudy, but it's not, it's not quite there. So, so let's let's talk about reimagining South Africa um, through the work that you do specifically. And I guess let me start at the base. Okay, so perhaps to a person who is listening, you know, to to you speaking now, and you know, has already been no doubt impacted by what you've said and and the, the profound words that you've shared. What would you say is 3D printing? So if, if the person listening has never heard of this 3D printing or doesn't quite understand, you know, what what does that mean? I mean, you know, what, what actually is 3D printing to you?
1: Yeah, yeah. So 3D printing at its core is the ability to produce three-dimensional objects. And the other name for 3D printing is additive manufacturing. So Mm -hmm. from the name additive means that you're adding material, Mm -hmm. right? So the 3D printing process is one where you have a machine that deposits material in a layered fashion, hence the name additive, right? With that, you can create three-dimensional shapes. So just as an example, Here's one of our last kind of client projects. Uh, It's an IoT kind of enclosure for for electronics. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you look very closely, you'll see the layers and the lines on the actual box. Yeah. 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 And so additive manufacturing or 3D printing is this process that produces these complex geometries. Uh, And what's so fascinating about the technology is that unlike your traditional manufacturing processes like CNC machining, which is what's called a subtractive manufacturing where you remove material, you start with some block and then you remove material which results in quite a bit of waste. with additive manufacturing, you actually have virtually no waste because you're building up exactly what you need and you don't build you don't add any unnecessary material. Yeah. With that, you also get incredible um, design freedom where you have virtually no design constraints. And that perhaps is one of the most exciting things for me is the geometries you can produce are so sophisticated that that we as, as an industry are not yet prepared for how powerful 3D printing is in terms of the kind of parts we can design. Yeah. As an example, if we look at um, rocket engines, for example, mm. that consist of thousands of parts um, that have to be machined and whatever, with 3D printing, you could create one very complex geometry that... F- that has the functionality of all those thousand parts put together. So now you've reduced this assembly of a thousand parts to a single complex component, Mm. which cuts your your costs, it cuts your time. uh, Not to mention that these parts are often far um, stronger than your traditional manufacturing components. Mm. So 3D printing is the the next kind of natural step in in manufacturing evolution. Um, As these processes get better, we're Mm. gonna see them a lot more in industry uh, producing parts that we use every day. And so, in a nutshell, that's three d printing, just the ability to create these three-dimensional objects um, in a variety of of materials. So I primarily at the moment work with with plastics and polymers, um, but then you get systems that work with ceramics, that work with metals awesome. and that work with concrete, which we're also starting to experiment with now. Yeah. Um so really, the the applications of three d printing are just so profound and widespread. Uh, They're to, endless,
0: right? Yeah. They really are endless. I mean, you know, the, the 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 potential and the impact that it could make and is already making, um, you know, is is really really something we should not underestimate. And thanks for for that, you know, you know, the description. I think uh, it it really sets the scene for what we're about to to discuss. And you know, diving right into it, what would you say is the core vision, uh, behind OmnoveTech, um. Within you know the work that you do, what is the actual core vision of what it is that you're doing?
1: Yeah, so it's it's two main things. Mm-hmm. Um, the first and most important, our core drive at Innovatec is to accelerate the transition to sustainable manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no secret that the the, the climate crisis is, is worsening, uh, and the recent UN reports um, indicate that it's in certain respects it's already too late in certain areas to transition, some of the damages is done. So what our core is, is to accelerate this transition to sustainable manufacturing. What that means is producing new manufacturing processes, which at this current time have manifested themselves in in the form of 3D printing, but developing these new, more sustainable ways of manufacturing that produce less waste, that are more energy efficient and that use materials that are both uh, environmentally sustainable, recyclable, uh, essentially trying to produce a carbon-neutral footprint uh, when manufacturing parts. That mm-hmm. for me is is very critical. Uh, and I want to emphasize the, the word accelerate. Um, by no means are we the only people doing this. We're trying to merely be a catalyst that forces all these other companies to transition to a sustainable approach. Even mm-hmm. if in a few years time Amnovatec as a as an entity doesn't exist, knowing mm-hmm. that we've accelerated the transition by a few years is more than enough for me that's our ultimate goal is to try and transition to sustainable so we can have a carbon neutral footprint when it comes to manufacturing so that's the first core drive of MNOVA. the second core is the ethical Afri-centric industrialization of africa so increasing the production capacity within africa um, increasing our global independence when it comes to production. So, Mm. COVID has been a perfect example of how fragile our supply chains are. Once COVID hit, a lot of our imports were uh, terminated, and that led to shortage in medical supplies, in production equipment, in automotive components, a variety of things. So, that revealed bare our dependence on importing and um, foreign supply chains. Not to say that that's a bad thing, but we need to have more independence Uh, And a lot of these processes need to really be localized Mm -hmm. because we as Africa have a wealth, a huge um, wealth of resources and workforce as well. And it doesn't make sense how we're we're mining all these resources and then we export them to be processed and then we buy them back at a higher price. Mm -hmm. It absolutely makes no sense to me. So I want us to localize manufacturing and uh, make us more independent production Uh, producers and and become a a global leader in manufacturing through democratizing and making these technologies more accessible, one of them being 3D printing, by no means the only technology, but the one that we're focusing on, so that we increase the local capacity for production, which subsequently will also result in a growth in economy and um, a growth in a lot of small to medium enterprises that start to enter the, the workspace. One thing that 3D printing is is great at is rapid prototyping. And so that is the rapid production of test products. So if you have a product that you want to test with 3D printing, instead of taking months and hundreds of thousands of rands to do it, you can do it in a few days mm-hmm. um, for, you know, under a thousand rand, you can test your product, which is absolutely mind-blowing. And... Um, There's been a huge barrier of entry for SMEs that want to enter the production space because they can't afford to test out their products. With 3D printing, you can test out very quickly and affordably and reach market very quickly. And so that's what we're trying to do uh, as part of our industrialization of Africa is providing this um, conducive environment for SMEs to also start up so they can start up their products, test them out, do do test runs, test batches, um, and then enter the market quite quickly so we can... Create employment opportunities and boost our, our economy as a as a continent. That is the second core uh, of what we do at MNOVA Tech.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, based on those two those two core visions, I think you know the impact is something which which I think you know speaks for itself. Um, the work that you do, and you know, I, I really must commend you for for doing that and for doing it very well. Um, and you know, would really encourage anybody listening to this to go and to go and you know. Uh, find out more about Omnivotech, but we'll we'll touch on that more towards the end. So you also spoke about the desire to democratize education as well. So firstly, what does that mean? Um, And secondly, how are you making it a reality?
1: Yeah, so we're trying to both... um, democratize and, and really revolutionize education, um, as I've mentioned earlier, the current systems are are quite outdated uh, and date back all the way to the Industrial Revolution, where the needs for society were very different to what they are now. Um, and it, it's not sustainable to adopt these archaic systems and, and continue um, using them in our current society because it's not preparing students for the world that we're entering, one that is heavily dominated by technology Um, and a variety of processes that students are just not exposed to. And so we want to first of all, just change the way in which education is is done. So to transition from a, a taught approach to a more problem solving based learning. And so what that means is, instead of teaching students about subjects in isolation, you rather task them with problems. And in trying to solve these problems, are you exposed to the various fields like maths, history, physics, geography, English, etc. Mm. By that, by by structuring your education such that you're solving problems, the content you're learning has some context associated with it, and once this context, that information is retained far longer than just reading something and trying to repeat it. Uh, so, for example, I've used this example a few times. If we look at the drought in Cape Town that happened a few years ago, if we task students with coming up with a solution to this drought, in doing that, students are going to have to learn about the geography of Cape Town. They're mm. going to have to learn about the history of, of the climate in that area. Why did a drought occur? What what um, geographical um, conditions made it conducive for a drought to occur? So you mm. learn about those facts. Then you go into, okay, let's come up with a solution. Maybe let's design a showerhead that uses less water. Through mm. that, you go through a design thinking process. You design a product. You test it out. You fail. You, you encounter issues. You go back to the drawing board, which is an incredibly important part. Is yeah. actually failing that's really important yeah that's how I learned so much about 3d printing was was putting things together seeing that they don't work blowing things up mm. um, and then going back and trying again trying. Learn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, that is incredibly powerful where, where nowadays mistakes are, are kind of condemned I, I, I envisage an educational system that actually uh, promotes the the making of mistakes uh, and the learning from them um, and anyway, after these students would then design this product, they can then 3D print it, for example, and now they actually have something that they can hold in their hands, which has so much more value and it sticks so much longer in this in this child's brain. Uh, so that's the kind of transition. We want to change from a taught approach to a problem solving based approach. Uh, instead of teaching students, um, if you look at it as an example of an engine, instead of teaching students, here's a screwdriver, here's a wrench, we use this to take off the nut from the, the engine we look at the engine and say okay here's a nut how do we take it off okay we need a screwdriver and then you learn about the screwdriver yes. so it flips the process around so that for me is a very critical change that we need to make um, mm. to develop these critical thinking um, abilities within our youth on top of that and where kind of we come in is also introducing mm. the 3d printing aspect where we believe something like a 3d printer can be the tool that will enable this problem solving based approach um and so we want to locally manufacture affordable units that we will distribute throughout the country to every school so that students have the ability to engage with these technologies because they're leaving into a world that's dominated by technology but we don't know about 3d printing or ai or virtual reality or so forth so we need to educate students on that and 3d printing is one of the tools that could help achieve this and can assist with literacy with uh, problem solving and with your other subjects and kind of merges them together. Of mm-hmm. course, we're still developing this process, piloting it, seeing if it works. Um, as someone that's in the tech space, it's very easy for us to just throw technology at a, at a problem and think it will solve it, yeah. but that is such a, a irresponsible way of, of doing things. We need to make sure that what we're doing does have an impact. Uh, and. Um, we might find that in fact, maybe 3D printing is not the appropriate tool for this, at which point we'll then step back and and focus our energies elsewhere. Uh, We'd much rather do that than invest a lot of money to just throw tech at a problem and hope it solves it. Uh, I mean, throwing 3D printers into schools is not gonna solve the shortage of teachers problem. It's not gonna solve um, the underserviced school problem. So it's just one approach that we're exploring uh, to change education and make it more um, accessible and uh, just, Stimulating the children a lot more so that they can interact, excuse me, with these technologies and get exposed to that problem-solving uh, based approach.
0: Yeah, absolutely love that. I think that's that's uh, that's really something that we do need, um, you know, to rapidly, you know, get to as many students or school scholars, as as it were, um, as possible. And I think what it what 3D printing does is it is it brings that to life, right? It 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 makes it tangible makes it visible and so what is what is the South Africa that you see um through the lens of the work that you do um what is it what does that look like
1: yeah so we want to make South Africa a global leader in producing high quality technologies mm. um our, our our technologies being one of them uh, so we focus on developing large industrial 3d printing machines um, maybe just briefly what, what we actually do as Innova, um is we develop uh, 3D printing technologies uh, for industrial applications. Uh, and at the same time, we use these technologies to offer production services. So the business is essentially twofold. On the one hand, we're developing really cool and exciting tech. And on yeah. the other hand, we're using this tech to offer affordable production services to the population. Our mm-hmm. goal is to actually um, anyone can use our platform and order a part and receive it within a day of Mm. ordering. That's kind of the ultimate goal. And we're gradually starting to introduce more production services until we get to a point where um, most of your production needs that you need on a small to medium volume scale, uh, we could cater for uh, throughout South Africa. So with that, what we're trying to do is, um, as I said, boost the, um, the environment for SMEs to flourish. Mm. Uh, give access to these companies to test out their products and into the market so that we can produce more unicorns, more uh, companies that are changing the very fabric of our economy and our society and our industries uh, and so we think using our technologies that opens the door to a new generation of inspired uh, engineers, scientists and startups that want to make a change and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: and 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 you're that to reality, right? And I think you know it's a, it's an absolute. Honor, you know, to be able to actually talk about that with you and and to see it, um, you know, coming to life. And Dennis Love, very finally, before we we do close, uh, the time has just absolutely flown by. I'm not really sure how where it went. Um, but how do potential clients get in touch with you? Um, if a potential client is listening to the show, how do they get in touch with you? How do they, you know, say Dennis Love, I'm actually interested in in doing this for my business or you know for uh, you know something an initiative which I'm doing and so on how do they get
1: in touch yeah so they can check out our website um, at www.mnovatech.co.za. there you'll also find our our phone number and our email address you can also find me at dennislove at um, mnovatech.co.za. and yeah just send us an email send us a call Uh, we also have a youtube video that's been up uh, for about two years now which which is actually the main source of most of our clients Um, our most recent one we're shipping one of our first commercial units of our printers to the us um, and that client actually found us through through that YouTube video. So mm-hmm. don't underestimate the power of, of social media and YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they can find us on our website, give us a call. And we pretty much do everything. So <laughs> yeah, whether it's in agriculture, or uh, manufacturing or art and fashion, uh, we service all those kind of industries. So yeah, reach out to us. And I'd be more than happy to assist on any of those kind of projects
0: awesome and yeah would definitely you know vouch for that and would encourage anybody who's interested to do that uh to go to www.amnovatech.co.za dennis love i want to thank you so much for coming on to the show for a, a really wonderful chat that we've had i believe it has been impactful and i think anybody who is listening to this has been impacted um i think particularly in terms of reimagining you know what uh, you know the future sort of manufacturing and production does look like uh, even the future of education what does that look like once we're able to bring concepts and ideas rapidly as you said you know to life and I want to thank you so much for sharing your story with us uh, for being a part of the impactful conversations community and uh, yeah for coming onto the show really really do appreciate your time and I uh, hope you've also enjoyed it as well
1: Very much. Thank you so much, Tafa. It's been an honor to be on the show and to share my kind of vision for for Africa. And I hope that um, your listeners found it useful as well. So thank you.
0: Absolutely, no doubt. Absolutely, no doubt. And to you, the listener, I want to thank you for taking a listen to the show. I hope that you have enjoyed it and I hope to see you back again soon in our next episode It's just coming out shortly as well. And if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the platform that you are listening on. Uh, You can check out Impactful Conversations at impactfulconversations.co.za where we have all of our episodes there and also how to get in touch with us to give us your feedback as well as to send through any questions. But from Dennis Love and myself, we want to say thank you very much and goodbye thank you very much for tuning in and listening to the episode hope that you impacted positively and that you found substance and significance to stay up to date with the latest episodes please subscribe to this podcast and give it a five star rating you can also check out and subscribe to our episodes in video format on the impactful conversations youtube channel head over to our website impactfulconversations.ca.za for more details about the show as well as to give us any feedback of how you found the show and to send through your questions to our future guests thank you to all of you who have listened subscribed and given us feedback it really does mean an incredible deal but anyway until the next episode bye bye stay safe stay healthy and wash your hands